Welcome to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. Statistically, I don't know if it's in the U.S. or just in Washington, but women have 72 hours on the streets before pimps and drug dealers get to them. So that is a whole new level of trauma. So what we are is we are not a shelter. We're a training center. We're preventative. We are very unique in what we do. That was the remarkable Christine Soul, my guest coming up telling me about the very important and much needed work at Providence Heights. She is the president and CEO of Providence Heights, a nonprofit for women and children in need in Seattle. And she's also author of the new book, Broken and Beautiful. A voyage of discovery in an uncommon age of unparalleled scientific, economic, political and social upheaval, life on planet Earth searches for the unvarnished truth, answers, solutions, and above all, hope for our existential crisis. Christine Soul has gone from being a drug-addicted stripper to what she would call today an exuberant lover of Jesus with a passion for helping others embrace his love. Christine Soul's interview is perfect for Christmas, and it is also our gift to all those who might have doubts and fears or just want to feel, well, a little uplifted during the holiday season. There is no greater high. I've been on a lot of drugs. There is no greater high than being able to help someone through their pain that you've also experienced at one point in life. Christine Soul has lots to talk about, including the concept of capitalism for the poor, which Providence Heights has adopted in Seattle. That is my absolute passion, is to love people. I love all people. And, and the bitter, the angry, those that are angry at me, oh man, it's, it's those people that I get excited about because I really just want to love them. I want them to see the beauty inside themselves, and all the potential that they have. Sherlock, it's grand to have you back. My guest is Christine Soul, author of Broken and Beautiful, and she's the founder and CEO of Providence Heights, a nonprofit in Seattle created to house women and children in need. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. I first asked Christine to tell us how Providence Heights all began. Yeah, so about two and a half years ago, I was actually driving down the road to go get some gold for Kintsugi art. And felt like God was saying to me, turn the car around, go talk to that woman. And I'm like, what woman? <laughs> so I'm looking around and I see a homeless woman on the side of the road. So I turn around and I sat down with her and we talked for about two hours. And I just asked her to tell me her story. And she said things to me like, yeah, when I was 19, I had uh, my first daughter. Less than two years later, I had identical twins went on to have another girl. She was trafficked, abused, 
she was a drug addict and she was married to a drug dealer. And I was kind of freaked out because for me, when I was 18, I had my first daughter. Less than two years later, I had identical twin boys, went on to have another girl. I was um, trafficked, abused. I was a drug addict, married to a drug dealer. And so I was uh, pretty freaked out. Um, I got to my car and I just began to cry. And I just felt like, you know, what is it that caused me to run to Jesus? And she ran to heroin and our stories became very different. And in my car two and a half years ago, I really felt like God was saying to me, they need four things. They need Jesus, someone to believe in them, training and education, and they need a job. And in that moment in my car, I said, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And so we have been working on just the foundation of of creating an organization just with the spirit of excellence in everything that we do. And on January 4th, we have our building. And on February 1st, we will begin housing women. After that, we'll bring children into the, the building and we'll be able to house up to 138 women. So we're very excited. Well, good luck with that. It's much needed, I'm sure. So let's go back to that incident. Were you at that moment in your life a person of faith? You know, I I had a really rough childhood and I was pretty bitter and angry. Like I said, I was a drug addict being trafficked. And, you know, there was just a point in my life. I had three kids and I absolutely hated the world. And at the age of 21, with no faith system, I fell to my knees and I cried out to God and I just said, if you are real, take my life. It's yours. And honestly, I did not care if it was Allah, Buddha. I didn't care. Jesus was the one that I happened to have met that day. And I have had a relationship with him ever since. And it's been beautiful. So you're a Christian. Would you describe yourself as evangelical or are you affiliated with any denomination? I would say evangelical. Um but I have a great love for all faiths. So a higher power. Yeah, there's no doubt. What I believe is, you know, we we serve one God. And I think many faiths have encountered that. If you look at the Jewish faith, you know, that's the Torah. That's the same as as the Christian faith in the Bible. That's the Old Testament. And you have, you know, in the Muslim faith, you have, you know, the first five books are are the same. And so I believe there is one God. I I personally believe that uh, Jesus, the Messiah, and all, all the faiths really acknowledge that he did exist. Um, there's factual information of his existence. It's just at what capacity was he? Was he savior? Was he a prophet? Who was this Jesus? And for me, um, I believe that, you know, by the Holy Spirit, you know, the, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and moves in us. But I believe Jesus came as our Savior to help us and, and walk with us and that, that he sacrificed his life so that we could live a free and abundant life. And for me, I, I met him that day. In fact, when I fell to my knees and I cried out to him, I threw the drugs and alcohol away. I should have had a heart attack. I was on meth and, you know, I didn't have a desire, temptation or withdrawal. I was completely healed and I've been healed of many things since. So is my family. And so I just, my personal belief is, is in the Messiah, Jesus. Um, but yes, I think we're all on our journey. 
I mean, I was super new age at one point and, you know, just seeking. And so that's, that's where I have come to with my faith. Yeah, it's amazing. If you look at the modern world, the Western world, most people are seeking something, whether it's more goods or a closeness to their family or pleasure in their careers. There's, everybody's on some kind of a search. Interesting to hear you describe the various religious faiths and denominations. I myself am Catholic, a practicing Catholic. I'm very happy with it. We believe there's three persons in the one God. And we believe in a lot of what evangelicals would believe. But there are obviously very clear distinctions. You emphasize in your work, I know, the role of charity and empathy and working with the those in the, in the margins. So I want to talk about that. And that's what your organization does, Providence Heights. You are working with uh, mothers who need a place to stay. And of course, during the Christmas season and all seasons, that'll be so important. Yeah, I so agree. I just really feel that, you know, in, in my position, you know, after I had made such life changing um, uh, events in, in my own personal life, I really started seeking, okay, you know, how do I do this life? How, what do I do next? And I found myself as a divorced woman with three kids and really no job that could even pay for my childcare. And so I just ended up bouncing from house to house, couch to couch, wherever people would take me. And I really didn't know how I was going to survive. And I, I will say I had a great peace in my heart. And that was amazing. It was probably the happiest I had ever been. But I, I did not know how I was going to provide for my babies. And I, in fact, at, at one point, um, got down to the last $40 I owned. And I spread out all my bills on the bed. And I, and I sat there thinking, I cannot put a dent into any of this. And I sat there and I thought, my gosh, you know, God helped me so much before. I wonder if he could help me here. And, you know, I, I knew one person. I wasn't going to church at that point. I was just kind of seeking God on my own. And I knew one person that went to a church. And I, I went up to him and I said, hey, do you think that you could just give this money to your church? And that was a $40 check. It was the last penny that I owned to provide for my babies. And he thought nothing of it. And, and I, I gave him the check. And, you know, I wish I would have written down everything that took place. But, you know, I never lacked. I never went without. Everything was covered and taken care of. And, you know, I, I ended up, that guy that I had written that check to, that actually is the man I've been married to for 23 years. Oh, my goodness. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. And, and so in that, when we started this journey of housing women, my my real objective, the thing that was really on my heart was there's there's a lot of things out there, shelters and such to help people who are homeless, but there's not a lot that offer help before they end up on the streets. And that's really where my heart was, was how do I prevent these things from happening to these women? And statistically, I don't know if it's in the U.S. or just in Washington, but but the statistics are that women have 72 hours on the streets before pimps and drug dealers get to them. So that is a whole new level of trauma. So what we are 
is we are not a shelter. We're a training center. We're preventative. We are very unique in what we do because we want to bring women in who are on the fringe, who are just trying to keep their head above water. They still might be in a, in a apartment, but they just don't know how they're going to make it. They just don't know what they're going to do because I so vividly remember that feeling of not knowing how I was going to provide for my babies and if we were going to end up on the streets. So that's really the people group that we're looking for, that or the women who have come out of a program, like one of our partners is Union Gospel Mission, Acres of Diamonds, and some great organizations who kind of lead them up to that point. And then they could come into our program where they're really ready to make some changes and impacts in their life. I want to go back in time to your early Days and I'm reading from notes here. I was sent. Uh, Christine Soul's life was a jumbled pile of broken pieces. Her father was married seven times, your mom four times between her parents' divorce when she was five years old and the day she allowed the power and presence of God into her heart. She watched her sister have an affair with her adoptive father, met 15 siblings she never knew at her biological father's funeral turned to drugs and alcohol, got pregnant at 17, had twins less than two years later, and became a victim of human trafficking, which you just spoke about earlier. She had to break the cycle for the sake of her children. With nowhere else to turn, she dropped to her knees and prayed. And that's when everything changed. And you've been telling us about that. That is quite an extraordinary journey for one person. It has been an adventure for sure. So your life is in a much better place today. You've written Broken and Beautiful. It's a story of how God took the pieces of your broken life and transformed it all into a breathtaking mosaic of joy and purpose. Tell us a little bit about the book. Well, you know, the book I have been told for many, many years, I need to write a book. And I would laugh at the fact that, you know, this girl never even graduated from high school. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is write a book. And here I am a CEO with a book. But you know, the thing is, is that's what makes it so amazing. Because the world said I could not. In in society standards, I would be a, a throwaway, one that would really not have a lot of hope. And so the book is really uh, every chapter is, it shares the trauma and the tragedy in my life, but it shares the redemption. It shares how I overcame. It shares the beautiful pieces that, that were brought into my life because of that. And, you know, society so often wants us to like hide the pain, hide the brokenness, the shame, the bad things that we've done. And, and we try to, we try to just dismiss it. And act like it never happened. And really, it's those areas in our life that if we don't, if we don't work through it, it just it causes such pain and bitterness and unforgiveness. And so, really, my focus is is no, that is so not the case. When we've had trauma, when we've had brokenness, allow that to be used to make a difference and an impact in other people's lives. It's those areas, and in fact, the the term broken and beautiful the the title of my book is based on kintsugi art which is the concept of um a piece of like a vase or something that is shattered and broken and and would be deemed trash and worthless but instead it's repaired with gold and it's actually those broken places 
that create the beauty in our lives. And, and so instead of hiding it in shame, we allow purpose to come through our pain. And so that's really the book in, in each chapter. It's, it's not, it's my story, but it's really like one chapter's on fear and one chapter's on forgiveness, one chapter's on suicide. And so it's got lots of different topics and really challenges for people's own hearts to grow and seek and, and, and understand, you know, the importance of forgiveness and that kind of thing. So that's what the book is about. So you can relate to people who are going through a similar journey that you went through in your early days. Yes, so much. That is my absolute passion is is to love people. I love all people and and the bitter, the angry, those that are angry at me, oh man, it's it's those people that I get excited about because I really just want to love them. I want them to see the beauty inside themselves and all the potential that they have. Do you not get angry looking back on your past, all the years that were taken away from you as a young person? Oh, gosh, no. I I believe I am who I am today because of the past. And, you know, there's a lot of woundedness. But, you know, in all of those circumstances, I see pain in other people. I see that that all those people that hurt me were really hurt themselves. And I just happened to have gotten stuck in the middle of that somehow. So trying to stop the cycle, if you don't forgive people and move on, then you're just moving it towards another generation. You got it. You know, when one of my heroes would always say, you know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. How did you get the resources, time and money to put together Providence Heights? One person, it's mind boggling. This has been an amazing adventure, I will tell you. So... You know, I went from a unique position of being in great poverty, being in great need, to marrying a man who owns a software company. And he is very successful. And so he has the biggest heart, the most compassionate man you could meet. And he really gave me the opportunity to be a philanthropist, to pour into other people and to really operate with a heart of compassion. And he has done the same. And so that's really something that we've done for 23 years is, is we give and we love and we help and we serve. And, and so that's really been our passion. And up until, like I said, two and a half years ago, uh, we, we have kind of operated in the area of just giving and generosity and helping other nonprofits. So when it became time to start my own nonprofit, the one beautiful thing about that is we have really great relationships with a lot of nonprofits who really came beside me, linked arms, have supported me in so many ways, and, and also donors that are dear friends who have also really said, you know, we stand beside you, we are backing you. And so, you know, with the funds, we obviously will continue to need funds, but, but you know what, we have had such favor in people just really believing in the vision. And so that's been amazing. And then also just politically, we've had a lot of favor with different relationships that we have built um, on both sides, um, conservative and liberal. They see the need and they see that it's important. And so we've just had a lot of support in, in every area. 
that's good i like the bipartisan approach now this is not a wrap on the government we do need government to do some things in our lives maybe not everything in our local church the other day i noticed a fundraiser people were dropping off food parcels collected by the knights of columbus which were then given out in turn to families in need i just thought the whole process and dynamic of it was wonderful I felt assured that all these families were going to get taken well cared of. You see it at food pantries. Charities oftentimes just do brilliant work that's often unrecognized. And compared to some programs the government does, I got to give charities a higher grade in, in some areas. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's something, again, if you go back to your Christian faith, You know, we're told to care for the orphan and the widow, that pure and undefiled religion before God and man is this, to care for the orphan and widow in their time of need. And I believe it was placed into the hands of the government and it was really never supposed to be. It's supposed to be for us the compassionate people who just want to make a difference and an impact in people's lives. So I believe the government is doing their best I just don't believe it's ever anything that was supposed to be their, their, their cross to bear. And I don't think that they ever will be able to do it well because I don't believe it's their job to do it. Um, but with that, you know, Seattle alone, I should say Washington, we have over a billion dollars in taxes a year for the homelessness. That's $82,000 per person per year that is taxed. And you and I both know that people are not receiving $82,000 worth of, of funding per year um, that are homeless. And so it's just, uh, it's too much for them to handle. I think it goes into programs where they're not seeing um, the results that they're hoping for. And I think we could just really work together. I think unity in, in every aspect, in um, bipartisan, as well as, you know, if you could link arms with government, with charity, and with business, um, I think we're really going to see great success in, in this crisis that's among us. I asked what kind of family she wanted. She said, a family like yours. Learn more about adopting a teen at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. My guest is Christine Soul author of Broken and Beautiful, and she's the founder and CEO of Providence Heights, a nonprofit in Seattle created to house women and children in need. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. When you look across America today, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Pray to God we come out of it soon with the various vaccines. When you look at what's going on in the streets, you have Seattle as your backdrop and in our big cities, and we could list off a lot of social problems, families breaking down, record divorce, drug addiction, opioid addiction, spectacle of mass unemployment in some neighborhoods, blighted neighborhoods, kids going hungry at night, and a lot of loneliness that's never properly recognized. How do you see it? Are we ever going to see the end of this? Mm, Well, I I tend to always go back to the Bible. You know, Jesus said, there will always be the poor among us. And I actually think that it, it, it keeps us in check. You know, when we have people in need, it's our job to love them. And and so I think that we will always have these conditions. Can we make a difference and an impact? Yes. Can we get smarter about what we're doing? Yes. Um, that is a 
actually a big focus for Providence Heights is that we're doing things differently. I don't I don't know of any other organizations out there that are really taking the model and approach that we have because we've we've coined a phrase. Um, it's called capitalism for the poor, and it's it's the concept of we know that capitalism works. People don't like it because it doesn't always work for the little guy. And so we enter into socialism, take from the wealthy, give to the poor. Well, that doesn't inspire the wealthy to do anything any longer. And you end up with with chaos and poverty over and over again throughout history, throughout time. And and so what we're doing is, okay, if we know that capitalism works over here, how about we implement it over here? And so we are taking revenue sources, we're creating businesses, we're working with nonprofits, we're doing something that's going to create a revenue cycle that will continue to, the money will stay in in that um, area to continue to care for those in need. And so, for example, our ladies, when they come in, my belief system is they weren't created for McDonald's. My belief system is we're bringing them in. We will have a one-year fact-finding quest to discover the broken areas of their lives and discover the gifts and the calling in their lives and then and then pull that out of them and launch them into their destiny. So with that, you know, if, if they like flowers, okay, we're going to teach them how do you build a website? How do you start an LLC? How do you do a 501c3? You know, what does marketing look like? And we're going to start teaching them and working together in creating revenue sources for them so that, you know, even if they all they do is learn how to build a website, then they could sit next to their baby in a bed building a website for someone else. And to just find what they're passionate about, find what they can do, build other businesses around what we're doing and and start creating that revenue source. We're also creating a chocolate company. And a friend of ours has the fifth largest coffee distribution in the world, and he wants his coffee in our chocolate. And so that's going to give us opportunities for distribution. And so all the money from that will then go right into caring for those in need. And so we're just going to grow from there so that we're not always dependent on donors or government. Yeah, it's a great model. You're empowering people and doing it with love and compassion and practical skills and teaching them how to turn a profit and and spread the wealth and spread the joy. One of my all-time heroes in humanitarian efforts and in my own faith would be Mother Teresa. She did terrific work in Calcutta and in India for the poor and mothers. But listening to you, I think what you're also saying is that the reason we may have the poor among us, and any of us could fall into poverty at any time, is it's kind of a test. Are you saying that God's testing us? He wants us to be able to reach out to those people and live out the Christian virtues. Yeah, so she is also one of my ultimate heroes. I would not necessarily call it God testing us. I would say, again, there's a scripture, we take what the enemy does for evil and we allow God to turn it for good. So there's things that that take place in life. And, and the reality is, you know, a lot of the time we make choices. We have something called free will and we make choices and we blow it all the time. And then we get mad at God and say, well, God, you did this to me. Well, hello, um, <laughs> you chose to do that. And and so, you know, through those series of our choices in life, we are given opportunities to redeem those choices. And, and I believe God knows from the beginning, from the end, he knows all the foolish things we're going to do. 
And, and he gives us these great moments in life, these glimpses to say, okay, now how can I help someone else through that circumstance? And I think it's the greatest opportunity in the world. There is no greater high. I've been on a lot of drugs. There is no greater high than being able to help someone through their pain that you've also experienced at one point in life. And man, I think we're just missing out if we don't take that opportunity to love people through their difficulties. And they're everywhere. We have chances everywhere. Everywhere we look, someone's going through something and we have the opportunity to help them. Do you have a lot of people working with you, volunteering with you at Providence Heights? Oh gosh. I have to say we would not exist if it were not for our team. I have the best board. We're just starting to hire our staff. We have volunteers. The support that has come around what we're doing has been really overwhelming and humbling. Um, and, and it's been amazing how we've received them. You know, I've, I've talked to one, one gal, I spoke at an event. She comes up to me and she goes, you know, I've, I've heard God speak twice in my whole life. She said one was when I was 21 and God told me to open the Cambodian embassy in DC. And then the second time was here speaking to you. And you know, another gal, we needed our CRM system. And I just said flippantly, okay, Lord, we've, we bought our CRM. I don't know how to work it. We don't know how to work it. I need your help. I go to an event. A woman sees me. She says, oh my gosh, I was just on your website. I want to volunteer. I said, well, we're not ready for volunteers yet. I said, but we got a CRM. So keep checking. Maybe we'll have some, something in the future. And she goes, oh, well, what's CRM? I go, you know, CRMs? She goes, it's what I do. <laughs> so. I mean, literally, I was driving down the road saying to God, I need a CRM, someone to run this. And then I meet the woman as soon as I got to the event. And that is how this has worked. It's like it, God is just kissing me on the cheek. I have 138 rooms to fill. It's a hotel. We have old furniture in it. And they said, we're welcome to it. I said, that's so kind. That's so gracious. But to be really honest, it wasn't my heart's desire because I just wanted, I wanted it to feel like home and not a hotel. And you know what? I speak at another event and I have this guy say to me, who was the next speaker, he said, I need to speak to you afterwards. And he introduces me to someone from World Vision and they're giving us all of the furniture that's from Costco. Oh my goodness. All the furniture we need. Jeez, that's beautiful. This has been the story for two and a half years. And I go, it is so not me that that my biggest objective here, and I used to say, gosh, you know, here I am. I I used to be um, lover of Jesus, wife and mother of five to CEO and author with all of these people going, okay, what do I do next? And I realized as I was putting the pressure on me, is, is my title has changed, but my job is no different. My job before was to, to listen to his voice and do what he said to do. And my job today is listen to his voice and do what he said to do. And if I do that, if I just stay out of God's way, he is just swinging the doors open for us to be able to do what we're doing. Yeah, I have a question, Christine, if you could uh, clarify this. The residents at Providence Heights may be people of faith, no faith, secular. Will they have outlets to practice their own faith, for example, if they are people of faith? That's a great question. I, like I said, I love all faiths. I love Muslims. 
and Muslims love me. I love Hindus. Hindus love me. Everyone will have an opportunity to live as they live. Um, we are a faith-based organization. We are a Christian organization. Once a week, we'll have a chapel, but they are more than welcome to go and um, express their faith, to be a part of their their uh, religion, and and we welcome that. That is absolutely fine with us. One or two wrap-up questions here. Where do you see the world today and America? I know we touched upon this earlier. Are you optimistic for the future? Do you think we are lurking into some catastrophe, as some people seem to suggest, and they might be the pessimists? Where do you see it? Well, I am a crazy optimist. So I see so much hope for the future. Um, what I see taking place right now, and, and, and let me tell you this again, I I have a, a friend I was talking to in Hawaii many years ago, actually, and she was on an airplane and someone was being passed food next to her. And he said, oh, no, thank you. I'm fasting. And she said, oh, she said, you're a Christian. And he goes, no, actually, I'm a Satanist. And she goes, oh. I heard a story similar to this, Christine. I'm sorry to interject, but it's quite jaw-dropping and stomach-churning. But continue. Yeah. So, so she says, you're fasting. And he goes, yeah. He goes, all of us are. And she goes, what are you fasting for? And he goes, well, we're all fasting for 30 days around the world um, for division. And she said, division of what? And he said, division of everything, division of race, division of state, division of politics, division of family, division of marriage, division of everything. And, you know, she was telling me this and, you know, I, I might not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but I know if the enemy wants division, I made my heart cry unity. That was what I needed to do. And so I, I really, in everything that I do, try to bring unity. And I think that that is the absolute, if you look at society today, if you look at every problem and situation, aside from the pandemic. It's, it's a division problem. And mm-hmm. I think that when we can start working together and seeing the heart of other people and people who don't think like us, people who don't look like us, people who don't act like us, when we can stop and see their heart, that's when we're going to see society shift. It's almost an even division in America, 50-50 split. If you even look at a lot of recent elections, it's very odd. Yeah. It is. It is. And it, and I think that it causes so much of the problems that we have today. And if, if we could focus on that, I think we would see real success. What's next up for you with your work? I view another book in the offing. Well, I do have a workbook that is being edited right now. I have an ebook that we're working on. That's so that so the workbook is the Broken and Beautiful workbook. I have a, a ebook that's called uh, Skyscraper Faith, and then I have another book that that I'll be getting prepared for, which is really just how to love people. Uh, so that's one that I'm working on. And as far as Providence Heights goes, I would just love we are we're doing um, 
a grand opening virtual gala that John, I would even love you and your and your listeners to be a part of. It's going to be January 30th. Okay. You can actually go on to ProvidenceHeights.org and you can register to either be a host and we'll send you a special package for an event to do prior to. And then also um, you could just sign up to be an attendee. And, and that would just be amazing to have you guys join us in that celebration. We'll have a lot of really special activities, uh, interactive. Um, it, it's going to be a a virtual event like like none other. So it's ProvidenceHeights.org. You got it. Great. And Broken and Beautiful is the name of your new book. It was just released. It's a great read. And I don't know where you get the energy, but I say this to a lot of my guests who I have on because they're all energetic, inspired people. I'm always amazed and taken aback by people who achieve a lot and I wonder, are there more than 24 hours in your day sometimes? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what genius thought of the idea of starting a nonprofit at the same time as launching a book. That that was probably not the brightest idea. Um, but you know what? It We have the capacity when we have the passion. I find that, that you know, when I was just doing life for myself, the days uh, seem, seem to be a little different. And what I am able to accomplish now that I have so many things at hand I just, there is such an energy and a fire within me that it just doesn't seem like work. Well, that's a great philosophical way to put it. Very inspiring story, Christine. I'm sure you'll get ready for all the Christmas celebrations and to ring in the new year. We look forward to following the progress of Providence Height and your book is Broken and Beautiful. Christine Soul, it's been my pleasure. Wow, oh, John, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs>